Behold! The sword of power. Excalibur. Welcome to the Ogasho Galio Wab podcast, the podcast where we talk about the Marvel comic series Excalibur and nothing but Excalibur every week for 126 plus weeks. This week we're wondering why we're in Wondagore in Excalibur number 132, Faith. Also, boy bots get kisses and Pete Wisdom needs stitches and now Lockwood needs better friends because he's been missing for weeks and apparently nobody noticed other than to notice that they didn't notice. Um, we'll talk about it. Excalibur number 113 was originally published in October 1997 and the creative team is Ben Robb on writing, Pete Woods on pencils, Scott Koblish on inks, Kevin Tinsley on colors, Richard Starkings on comic craft and Kiff Scholl on letters, and Matt Idealson, Kelly Kovas, and Jason White on editing. Welcome back to Bova's Domain, otherwise known as Wondagore Mountain, otherwise known as the main setting for this month's issue of Excalibur for, for some reason. Another thing that we will talk about. But I do know the new men love introducing themselves, and so do we. Starting with myself, I am Dr. Anna Papard. I am surely not new to you by now, but just in case, I love talking about gendery, sexy things in comics and pop culture. Go buy Super Sex and it's convenient new paperback edition and follow Sequential Scholars for a thrice weekly dose of accessible comics analysis, including a bevy of spooky season content for the month of October. We're talking about Afterlife with Archie at the time of this recording. I am also Kurt Wagner's unofficial PR manager, and he's not here today, so you're all lucky that I showed up anyway. But uh, moving on, I am joined as always by Mav. How goes your trek through the academic wilderness this week? Thrice weekly, huh? Thri well, nice word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my trek is tiring. I am exhausted. <laughs> I just got back last night. I think... I lose track of time because I've been traveling so much, but I think the last time we recorded, maybe not the last time the listeners heard, but I believe the last time we recorded, I said I was off to do a, a conference and I've done two since then. I did um, two weeks ago in my time because of podcast time travel, I did the Spider-Man in popular co culture conference at Bowling Green. And then last week or this week, you know, yesterday, basically, I did the <laughs> Superman anniversary conference in Cleveland. So 
So a lot of driving, a lot of talking, a lot of talking about Golden Age and Silver Age books and the way they fit into the cultural landscape of today. And it, was, it, it was real fun, but I'm so tired. I'm, I like, and it, it was, um, people did ask about, you know, I, I met people who listened to the show, who listened to this Aww. show, who listened to my other Ooh. show. I had people, um, I, I met people who've been on the show. Um, I never actually met uh, Valentino in, per, in oh, person right. before. And Friend he the ran the, um, he ran the Superman conference yesterday and you know, and people were talking about things that I had people ask about sequential scholars. So it was, it was a good weekend full of a lot of people. I'm just tired. I'm just so tired. So much driving. Oh God. Yes. I can imagine at the, well, at time of recording, it's the Sunday of New York comic-con. Yes. So a bunch of the, a bunch of my little friends, including Adam were out at the con all week. So they are also very, very tired. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one of those days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I met Mark Wade this weekend. That was fun. He was, oh. yeah, he, he was one of our guests at the, um, at the Superman conference. <laughs> oh my God. I was, this was the scale of the, the difference of Adam and I's weekends. Like I was at the library checking out books about <laughs> comics and cartoons for a thing that I'm writing. And I was like, Oh, look at this Durango art from this one book. And I like texted it to him and he was like, Oh yeah, I just saw that guy like two hours ago. And I was like, Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <I do>. oh, <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> anyway, off track already. Andrew, uh, have you reached the point in the semester where you really wish that an anthropomorphic cow would take you under her wing maybe feed you some feed you some milk soup and take care of you what state are you at andrew i I would have questions about where the soup's coming from yeah you you should you should that sounds lovely um yeah i'm dr jander demand of sequential scholars in st jerome's university i'm tired because we were on a hike and my daughter rolled her ankle and i had to carry her out of the forest oh wow one and a half kilometers and i'm not a strong guy so now i'm just (laughs) weary and sore oh my god i thought that this was going to be one of your bits andrew and that you were going to relate this back to colossus carrying megan in the comic but this is just actually a real thing that happened to you yeah and your daughter i'm sorry (laughs) for 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 american listeners that that's about a mile by the way One and a half kilometers. We're not going on another degree. We've gone on a digression about American versus Canadian measurements on the podcast previously. No, no, it's fine. It's fine because I can do. I ran cross country. I can do either. It's just that you said, "Oh, I had to carry it for one and a half kilometers," and I was like, "Oh, that's." And then I just realized probably at least half our listeners don't know what he's talking about. It's about a mile. (laughs) Anyway, I hope she's okay. Your hero dad for doing that. Props. Yeah, nice pack. She's good. Uh, Well, anyway, let's get to talking about some Excalibur, which has a strangely relevant plot to that. So your our wondrous crew is joined this week by a marvelous returning guest who we are so lucky to have returning to our pod shores. We're thrilled to welcome back Brian Bove. Hello, Brian. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. Absolutely thrilled, as I said, to have you back. We need you to bolster our energy today. Clearly, we're we're just we're off to such a sleepy start already, but I'm sure we'll get energized as we begin our conversation of the new men. I mean, who doesn't love talking about the high evolutionary? We'll get to it. But first, let's give you a little bit of an introduction and then we'll catch up with you a little bit, Brian. So Brian Bove is the assistant director of LGBTQIA plus student services in the Office of Inclusion at Northern Arizona University and a PhD candidate in the Department of American Cultural Studies at 
Bowling Green. His dissertation, A Work in Progress, is an autoethnographic critical comic that examines shifting perspectives of queerness as illness in American society and through his lived experience and through a close reading relevant to our podcast of X-Men narratives from the 1980s to today. Exploring and connecting cycles of public homophobia and queer resistance across space and time, it ultimately illustrates how readers can learn modes of queer activism and care network praxis through the comics medium. When he's not having an existential crisis, Brian likes to watch horror movies and cuddle with his three chonky <laughs> pets, one of whom I believe we saw on camera before we started recording. Dobby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dobby, the the one-eyed, blind, uh, very chunky cat. Aww. Yes. <laughs> love meeting our guests cats love meeting any cats uh but anyway brian we already did your comics origin story uh back when you joined us for excalibur 81 which for our listeners who may not remember numbers clearly that's the one with professor xavier and moira Mackin on the cover we had a combo about that so we won't redo the comics origin story but i thought that we'll catch up with you a little bit about what you're up to if you want to gripe about dissertation stuff if you want to talk about the new job if you just want to talk about what you've been reading and thinking about yeah the floor is yours brian what have you been up to since we last chatted yeah so i think that uh i think that episode happened like in december of last year so a lot has changed um i moved to flagstaff arizona in the beginning of july um we drove from ohio to flagstaff over the course of three days um with our dog and our two cats in the front with us uh, for the u-haul it was it was very packed um (laughs) within the first i would say before we even got out of toledo uh one of the cats um just kind of peed all over me and we had to (laughs) pull over and i had to change and it was like it, it only got better from there which was good but um yeah the move was interesting flagstaff is very different um from Ohio, but um, it's been a fun challenge trying to balance, you know, work with living with my partner now, and then also working on my dissertation. But it's been it's been really good overall. I would say um, I really enjoy that my my job is so student facing, so just a lot of talking with students and providing resources and services and events and programming and yeah. <laughs> um, but it's been yeah a whirlwind, I suppose. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine. And like, I know that struggle to like, I mean, so many people that we know have been in that situation where you're trying to finish the dissertation and you feel so much like pressure about that. But then you have all this, you know, real life has to come first. It's not that the dissertation isn't real life, but at the same time, you know, you got to get a job and you've got, yeah, and you've got, you know, you're moving in with your partner and you've got all this other stuff like going on. And like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm saying this to try to give you a little on air burst of moral support that if you're, feeling guilty ever please don't because you're doing such a good job (laughs) oh no thank you and I appreciate it and I definitely I knew it was going to be a struggle and I've seen other people you know go through this as well so I just keep reminding myself that while there was you know the timeline that the university sets for us it's not Mm -hmm. really the real timeline for everybody so yeah (laughs) no it absolutely is not I think like about of the eight people in my little cohort two people finished quote on time um so yeah (laughs) it is very much not reasonable six people for us and two finished on time um and and even that time is on time four oh no no on time was uh 
seven for us uh, with an option oh, for okay. eight. Uh, on yeah, time <laughs> for us and like yeah, yeah. Two people it might have been yeah, it might have been six. I can't remember if it was six or seven years was our was our default platform, and we got and we definitely had and I think of those two where I'm saying that was on time. I think one was actually technically like a couple months after into the summer. Mm-hmm. I was way late. I like our our official timeline is eight years, and I took almost nine. But you know, COVID was in there. <laughs> those years don't count they do not count (laughs) yeah our timeline is was just it's just four so and like most of that was in covid (laughs) that's insanity that's (laughs) i don't think that can be done yeah that is an insane amount of i mean this is weird logic for anybody who has not done a phd program but period and particularly in the humanities, I do not believe that that is reasonably possible. Like maybe in certain sciences, certain sciences, most sciences, I mean, I, I, I question. The well, I think one of the things that people don't get about doing a humanities PhD, like I don't want to say particularly in certain areas because I don't know every, what every area is like, but there's a lot of pressure on the types of dissertations that we did where it has to be all your own original research. Like you're not teaming up with anybody. Nobody is like really helping you. You're just writing like 300 pages of original research on, in the cases of I know all of our dissertations, hundreds and hundreds of texts. <laughs> and like... <laughs> I know that that sounds wild, but that is what it is. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to propose that over the course of two years, while I'm also working at the same time and, you know, all the Mm -hmm. other usual personal life things that come up, I'm going to read like 3,000 comic books and 300 (laughs) like critical books and like who knows how many articles and then produce, you know, 200,000 words of original research on these things (laughs) so it's just like and i know if you're someone who doesn't think that doing that spending all that time talking about issues of representation in superhero comics you know maybe that seems like not a good use of your time (laughs) but but the the real the reality is is to get that it does demand a ton from you and i think sometimes it feels normal to us because we're just in it but when you break it down and think about what we're actually doing and you're drawing stuff for yours brian which is even wilder yeah so like the text of mine is finished i just have to i'm working on the drawings and then i have to make accessible pages for each of the comics pages so yeah i think for us you know we've we've done it and i don't know how to say it with it we forget i don't think we really forget but like our lives are such that you know between you know being on podcasts all the time being in the academic community we know an obscene amount of people who've done this process that like the real world is not full of just random people who've done phds in comics lit it's just that like all of our friends have so 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 it's weird it's like you know you're like oh yeah you know you know you go and you read 3000 comic books and you like Anna said, 300 critical books. And then you, you write a 300 page book by yourself in a corner, you know? Yeah. We all do that. Right. Well, no, it's just that we (laughs) all do that. I know. Can I ask you a question about it, Brian? And feel free if you don't feel like talking about this, you don't have to, but I find that we sometimes end up having our, our most interesting combos about 
sort of process things lately. How has it been for you to stay motivated when there is this creative aspect of your dissertation? Because that's a whole other type of output. That's a whole other type of inspiration that you have to have. And I know if it was me, I would have struggled with that because you're sort of getting toward the end of it and like motivation is always a factor, but like you have to be creative and draw and stuff too. Has that been something that you've been finding yourself dealing with? I would say when I started doing like a lot of like comic studies work and like drawing comics, it was, it was coming from a place of, you know, doing it in my free time, kind of um, doing it to cope with the pandemic. And now that it, it, and it developed into something more serious. So now, you know, it's hard to devote time to like, now I don't think of it as like a creative release. I think of it more as work. And so right. it's hard to, um, you know, sometimes my my days are quite long at my job. I'll start at eight. And then if we have an event that I'm helping to run at night, sometimes I won't get home. Last uh, Wednesday, I didn't get home until midnight. Um, oh. So <laughs> it's like, you know, you come home and then you're like, oh, I don't, I can't work on my dissertation right now. Yeah. I have to wake up in you know five hours (laughs) Mm -hmm. so (laughs) um but I will say that when I allow myself to sit down and actually do the drawing it is really enjoyable like I love to just turn on like a podcast or a tv show that I like and just you know go to work on that and I do have a lot of wonderful people in my life who keep me motivated and like help me set goals uh, each week. So it's been a challenge, especially just having to do it in a new space that is smaller than my old like apartment. Yeah, I, I would say it, it has its ups and downs. And like with any creative process, you know, like there's ebbs and flows. And But when I do work on it, I do kind of, you know, I feel that excitement, like it doesn't, uh, it's more of the leading up to it, like kind of building myself up to yeah. actually do the work that is the intimidating part. So a lot of it is just getting out of my own head and like doing it. I find that I'm like that about reading comics because I always feel like, well, if I'm reading any comic, it has to be for quote unquote work because everything I do Mm. has to do with comics. But this week I I read some comics purely for fun and I was like, that was such a triumph for me because as soon as I start reading them, I have a great time. But I, it's like, as you said, it's that lead up, you know, I'm like, oh, that like feels like work and I'm already tired and I don't want to do it now because it doesn't feel like a hobby anymore. It feels like a job. And that's so hard when you're doing sort of any kind of pop culture scholarship, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, that mingling of your hobby and your job. And then as you're saying, you know, that was an outlet for you at a time when you needed it. And now it feels like, work that's so hard i recently did an episode of my other show where where we talked about things like doing making crafts and art and stuff so i've taken up like i i build stuff now because i got to this weird point where literally everything that i used to do for fun watching movies drawing um, podcasting everything became my job like anna was saying like you know like because this is what i do now it's like I go and watch a movie and it's like, how can this be content for me? You know, like, how can I do so? Exactly. You know, where am, when am I going to write a paper about this? You know, I can't enjoy things. So instead it's like, oh, you know what I can do? I can, I can build a shelf. That won't be a paper. Mm-hmm. That'll be an end. So, you know, drawing used to be part of that for me. So what do you do now? Because <laughs> like literally if it all yeah. becomes work, how do you handle that? So I, I find that my, let's see, creative wise, I would say, um, my biggest outlet now would probably be crocheting. I, I started to, yeah, I started to learn how to crochet and, um, last in the beginning of this year, actually for, um, an event that we were doing in my, um, my old position in my graduate assistantship. And I was like determined 
to to learn because the year before I had done so poorly. And um, so I, <laughs> I've started to make all of these giant like squares of different patterns. And um, it's been really fun. I will say that other things that I enjoy, I find myself thinking like, oh, maybe I should turn that like, uh, for example, I've been, you know, uh, just consuming a lot of horror content uh, because it's spooky season, but also because I don't know, I guess it's been a good escape for me the past few months. And but as I'm, you know, watching things or reading things now, I'm like, oh, that would make a good paper. And then I'm like, no, finish your dissertation. Um, (laughs) So but even even at work, I find myself, you know, I'll be talking to people and someone mentioned an online asynchronous master's program in social work. And I'm like, oh, that would be really helpful for me because I do like talk (laughs) with students. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, stop it. Um, So (laughs) yeah, exactly. Uh, So I I feel like I'm just like, no matter what it is, I'm going to try to turn it into something that like connects to my job somehow, which is not great. But also, I guess like if you love what you do, it's a good thing. I don't, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, I feel like that was really negative how I put it because there are times when I definitely, I mean, I'm starting a new thing right now and I'm super into it and I like, you know, (laughs) doing all this research about Hanna-Barbera cartoons and stuff and I'm super into it and excited. So like, there is that. It's just like, yeah, it's a challenge. But as you said, it's a challenge that we all end up working through in our different ways. Like me making (laughs) t-shirts to get away from screens for a bit. (laughs) Right. So you do screen printing. There's there's only so much you complain about. You can complain about when you're job is literally reading funny books yeah. right like know, so it, it, it <laughs> like it's hard like you know it's like oh mom more content but it's it's weird because it, it does put us in a weird place like you know hanging out with my friends is doing podcasts like this show my other show when i'm on protagonist when i'm on other sh- like like i go and do these shows because it's social and it's fun for me but it's also still kind of work and so be- being able to do this career and then have a real work-life balance becomes bizarre right like so like brian you are you are in charge of an lgbtq student services group like that's your job so even the identity phase of it just has now become also a job. And I and it's hard to say that's like, like I, I would hate to complain about this because it's not like it's this isn't a life that we chose. And I feel lucky to have the jobs that I, that I have. But it's also weird because there's never a, there's no turning it off. There's no going on vacation. There's no being away. This is just life now. I'm gonna say when your identity is so tied into your work, like like you said, you know, I, I identify as queer. So like working with queer students and doing all of these events and programming, but then also serving as like their kind of touchstone for, you know, information for other resources and services on campus. It's like, I'm constantly aware of and thinking of (laughs) these things. And I can't just, you know, turn it off when I leave the office. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Which, you know, again, is like good and bad, because it's a thing of following passions, which I think can be really rewarding. But you know, everything's got its its own struggles and all that right anyway i'm happy that for the most part your move has gone well and that you're that you're settling in and everything and i certainly look forward to seeing how the work progresses i recommend your iceman comic essay to folks all the time oh thank you that's so nice (laughs) just recommended it to someone last week brian anyway let's get into talking about this excalibur issue i'm anxious to hear your thoughts brian so we'll do the issue summary and i'll come right back to you for those thoughts so i know we've got lots of 
of lovely listeners reading along with the pod, we definitely warn you away from Boba's milk soup and are in fact doing that now. Um, While we're in the spirit of being helpful, here's a plot summary. Excalibur number 113 opens with some tearful goodbyes on the dock. Rain is temporarily leaving Muir Island to attend a reunion with her former teammates and the new mutants. But before she shoves off, she and an eager Douglock share a sort of accidental but mutually enjoyable kiss. They part confused, but apart. For now. Moira, meanwhile, is worried she might succumb to the legacy virus at any moment. Elsewhere, Pete Wisdom wakes up to find himself all tied up. He's being tortured by a former associate of his, a woman called Sari St. Hubbins, who reveals that she is now working for Black Air. Kurt remains missing. Elsewhere again, Colossus and Megan are rescued by the cow woman named Boba, who takes them to the Knights of Wondergore, and then on to the guy who made them, the High Evolutionary. Mr. High and Evolutionary is initially suspicious of Piotr as a former acolyte, but Piotr and Megan quickly offer to help the Knights of Wondergore against an impending attack by Exodus. However, the High Evolutionary doesn't want their help, and anticlimactically teleports them to their original destination, Paris. Later, Moira and Tigert discusses the missing Lockheed, unaware that Kitty's best friend and confidant is currently being tormented by unknown basement dwelling beings more on that in a future issue as i said and warned brian coming right back to you for first impressions what did you make of this one anything that you're particularly excited to talk about yes so i read the previous (laughs) issue and you know from the cover of this one i thought oh good maybe megan will get to be more active or have a little (laughs) more agency but that uh, wasn't really the case and i guess one of the things i am looking forward to talking to or talking about is just you know do the writers hate her um because i haven't read I mean, I've I've read maybe four issues of Excalibur at this point, but just, you know, she never seems to get to be a person. She's always a prop. Like in the in the previously in page, they say Colossus carried the injured and quite delirious, delirious Megan. And it just yeah, it just feels like they don't care about her or like her at all. Um, but the shapes and the line work uh, on Colossus in the cover but throughout the whole issue it's so like mid to late 90s to me and it's giving it's giving the cartoon freakazoid for some reason animated series i don't know why like i just kept thinking like the coloring or the just the curves i was just like he looks like freakazoid i don't know um (laughs) the issue itself was overall fine uh (laughs) i wish that the three separate plots uh in germany mer island and wondergore like would have tied together better uh they didn't like I don't think they had to like tie in to each other necessarily, but I think that the writer could have, you know, done it in a in a narrative way that let those subplots kind of like flow into each other in a more organic way. I will say I probably enjoyed the Rain and Douglock story the most. I feel like my take on the Rob issues has been kind of when he does the teen romance stuff I'm sort of like a little bit more on board because how do I want to put this kindly or or at least not (laughs) cruelly (laughs) that there's a juvenility to how he writes relationships that I think makes me crazy when he does it for adults but makes sense when he's doing them for actual juvenile people (laughs) I guess is how I would put that because I know we complained in like a previous issue about like Moira being melodramatic in the rain and how jarring I felt like that was because I was like she's a however many years old person and for her to be sort of mooning melodramatically in the rain is something a 17 year old would do 
So I'm like, I feel like for me, it's like, I like when he writes 17 year olds a little bit better than when he writes people who are adults. But uh, we can get into it a little bit more. Let me pick up some other first impressions and then I want to come back to the Rain and Doug Lock scene. Well, yeah, so section of the comic maybe first. But let's pick up some first impressions from you, Andrew, and then I'll come to you, Mav. How are you feeling this week, Andrew? I, I want to know what happened behind the scenes on this mm. one because this is clearly a massive anti-climax you've spent two issues yep. setting up this wonder story and then you're just like it's not gonna happen for you guys though see you later have fun in paris that's incredibly strange and i like like i felt bad for rob like something obviously happened here uh he, he's working on this story for a couple issues and then i don't know what no. marvel decides it has to unfold somewhere else quicksilver <laughs> Did he, is he the writer of the Quicksilver series? Because I was curious. I didn't, I didn't look it up because he is the writer of, there was like a one shot starring Colossus and Megan having their little vacation, which Rob did write. Yes. So no, he, yeah. So, I mean, and this is, I mean, I'll give you the, the synopsis for that, that story. Pietro Maximoff is Quicksilver, Avenger, son of Magneto and brother of Scarlet Witch, former member of the Brotherhood of Field Mutants, not to mention the fastest living thing on earth. Check out Quicksilver in the solo series and discover what adventures await Marvel's mightiest mutant. In the first issue, Pietro wishes to turn over a new leaf in his hazard filled life. Quicksilver becomes leader of the Knights of Wendigore. So maybe there was a plan and it got turned over because oh we're also starting this wonder gore series but like i it is weird it, it is a weird turn as andrew is saying like because because who cares that much about the knights of wonder gore? <laughs> like, so i was i was i was reeling reeling when they described quicksilver as marvel's mightiest mutant. what the hell was that that's insane well I, because i mean i was just thinking like i mean this is insane because we've talked about this title being you know the redheaded stepchild of like the X-Men and it's like yeah. at this point Excalibur is being used to set up a Quicksilver solo like exactly wow <laughs> like there is nothing more insulting than being fodder to set up I mean listen Pietro is a fascinating character is he a character that sells a ton of solo books not so much not so much <laughs> so it's like what the hell that's crazy to me so yeah that's my issue with it too and i want to talk about it a little bit more because i want to talk about the presence of the the new men here and what exactly if anything they're doing for us but mad did you have any other first impressions to to get on the record before we talk rain and dog a little bit more this bugged me for exactly the same reason as andrew like the entire we'll get into colossus and megan of it all eventually not today but the entire last two and a half issues of their storyline was just for nothing like nothing mattered and and it and it it's irritating brian you said you know there's problems with you know does megan do anything sometimes sometimes she's the powerhouse of the team it just i mean through dumb luck you happen to be on the two episodes where she is pointless completely pointless you could have been here last week where she was unconscious the entire episode and freezing to death despite the fact that she has weather control powers and so therefore shouldn't be she was like, so literally... cold are we the, 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 there yet <laughs> yeah so but like there there should have been a reason so uh, you could have written a storyline reason why oh, I'm too far away from Britain. My powers are fading. And the, but literally in this, it's like, no, she gets there and she, she says, no, I'm fine. And you're like, oh, 
okay, she's fine. Colossus <laughs> got knocked out last issue. Megan got knocked out last issue. They were freezing to death, and they had to wait in their human forms, buried in the snow, waiting for Boba <laughs> to come pick them up. You know, and and Colossus wears, you know, Colossus wears. I love Colossus's pants with the with the cutouts, but like they're not element friendly, so they should just be dead now. But no, it turns out Boba's like, you guys good? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're good. And And she didn't even do anything. Like, I had this memory of this issue. Like, oh, she took them inside and warmed them up. It was like, no, 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 she's just fine. And then they're fine. She said, said, you guys need medical attention. And Megan said, no, I'm fine, actually. And then it was like, oh, okay, so they're fine. All right, I guess. And that's, and, and there's no explanation for it. I mean, for the, for the listener, we're never, we're not coming back to this. That's it. We will never speak of this again. It's just like, Oh, everything that you were worried about for the last two issues, don't don't even worry about it. We're good. Fine. It's a, fine. If, if if you've ever watched um one of my favorite YouTube series is called it's Ryan George. It's called uh, Screen Rants. Oh, what does he call it? Um, pitch meeting. Pitch meeting. And there's like and there's always like a thing where he'll say it's gonna be really hard to get out of this situation. No, it won't. Barely. It's gonna be super easy. Barely an inconvenience. That's what happened here. <laughs> Super easy, barely an inconvenience. We're good. Anyway, uh, I do want to talk about that a little bit more. But Brian, you said that you were most interested in Rain and Douglock, so let's let's give them the the first the first chunk of our issue analysis here. Yeah, we haven't really got to talk about this romance with you before, and I'm always curious to hear somebody's new and fresh takes since we talk about this stuff every dang week. But like, yeah, what what intrigued you? What what intrigued you about this budding romance between these two characters? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, you said that um, you feel like Rob writes younger characters better when it comes to their romantic relationships. And I did just do a little Googling and saw that he was assistant editor on um, the series Generation X for the first 19 issues. Mm -hmm. And like, I shamelessly love that comic and so the the Doug Lock you're correct yeah Yeah, so like the the rain and the Doug Lock um scenes felt very Generation X to me in this issue and like a lot of the kissing scenes in in any media really can be very cringy but I kind of appreciated this moment between them because like it clearly started out as like an oh I'm so proud of you I'm going to miss you as a friend type of thing from rain and then you know but Doug Lock kind of leaned into it and then and Rain reciprocated and they both got caught up in the moment. And so I kind of, I liked that aspect of it. It felt more developed than, yeah, than any of the Colossus and Megan story that I read in this issue. Um, but I did think it was a little presumptuous of the writer to refer to Rain as Doug's uh, wear girlfriend, like in the next page. Because I was like, so yeah, weird. I was like, calm down. They had one kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I also just throughout this scene, I couldn't help but thinking of my dissertation because I, I have a chapter on Richter and Chatterstar. And I talk in one section about Rain as Richter's beard in New Mutants. Mm-hmm. And so, I felt like some parallels here with Rain and Douglock only because Douglock's coming like his coming to accept himself and to to be his true self in public it felt very much like a queer narrative to me so I, so again I was kind of like oh Rain you're you know falling for the wrong people but that's <laughs> 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 I mean you think about the things that she's gone through 
Yeah. But yeah. Well, can I ask you a follow-up question about it, Brian? Like, how did you feel about this visualization of Rain? Because I've been thinking about how she's been visualized by Pete Woods, who's done the last couple of issues. And I know I, I tweeted out some panels from this. I'm still calling it tweeting. I don't care. I tweeted out some panels from this and people were like, who is that, Teresa? And I was like, oh no, that's Rain, because she doesn't yeah. necessarily look super like herself here. She does not at all. Um, I, I guess I'm not used to seeing her with such long hair and large bangs i know it was the 90s though so i was like everyone had big bangs but just the way that she was drawn to i had such like huge eyes huge lips it didn't really i didn't really see any of the qualities that i would connect with rain so um yeah the the visual the visual um depiction was a little like off to me she's very ariel here like <laughs> that feels like yes <laughs> but yeah i god the the kiss speech bubbles though like the like, mm, mm, in the heart oh <laughs> that, <laughs> winning winning no notes loved it <laughs> that diptych is great i loved it anyway mav you said you like this this little section too so what's working for you about do it? i i okay i think that in this storyline not just to in this issue but this is the issue where i think we can really talk about it i think rob was done no favors i think that frankly you said you felt mm-hmm. sorry for him i think with yep. the entire doug lock story he was not only done no favors he was screwed over by the system he inherited a character that had clearly had an about face on the narrative direction from editorial. Like it was clearly supposed to be Doug Ramsey. And then all of a sudden it just wasn't. And what is it? What is he? He's just a character with no backstory. He's a blank slate. Try to do something interesting with him, but he's not Doug and he's not Warlock. So it's, so do something interesting and move on. Okay. So he's trying to do something interesting and not long after this um, spoilers, because we're not really going to get into it on this show. Cause it's going to be after Excalibur, but it turns, out it's just warlock that's who doug lock is doug lock is warlock it's complicated but for he is essentially warlock so rain is trying to get over her dead boyfriend and therefore kissing his best friend who has stolen his face she doesn't know that because rob doesn't rob didn't write that story so that's not what he's trying to do but like continuity wise being in the future for them this entire area is just complicated and it never totally gets resolved because of constant you know constant cast changes and crew changes with the writing staff and you know continuity wonkiness that will go on for years and years and no one ever even mentions this era in modern comics because it would be just too complicated with all that said i've been a 17 year old trying to work out my feelings in like in in like scrambled like like in scrambled relationships where you've accidentally kissed the person that you haven't really thought like you can do this story correctly and i think he might have even been able to pull it off had he been given enough rope because he's done stuff like uh brian you're right this is the kind of stuff that happened in generation x all the time um this is kind of stuff that happened in new mutants and x-force all the time like i okay with rain said you know richter's beard i don't know that she's richter's beard because i don't think at the time that richter and rain are involved i don't think either of them know what what's going on with themselves right like like rain had been in love kind of but doug was also in love with warlock already and and Psylocke and Kitty and like Doug just really needed to get laid wherever it could happen, and <laughs> and then Rain was like I mean, he was he was he was just yeah, chasing yeah, yeah. everybody. 
And then like, and he was a little nerd boy who was just like, had too many feelings. I'm not, I'm not even complaining about it. Rain was repressed at the time. And then she went from a repressed relationship that with a repressed person who gets into a relationship with Doug only to see him die, who then immediately gets into a relationship with Richter. Like there's so much going on with rain and, and forget about the, you know, the wolf boy from Asgard. And then beyond all that, she's got unresolved feelings for both cannonball and Danny, you know, Danny Moonstar. So she's got her own queer narrative going on. And then Richter's in that thing. And then now with Doug Locke, who's essentially warlock, He's also in this mix. And I like the potential for knitting together of all of these chaotic, you know, date swapping, not quite polyamorous the way we use that term today, but like in a natural, you know, your kids today. So I can't tell who you're dating from week to week. Like, I love the potential for that. And I think it's unfortunate that it's essentially ripped away from Rob before he can finish that because the book will end and he'll be pulled, you know, like, like he's never going to get to like where this is a fulfilling conclusion, <laughs> but I, but in this moment here and here and now, I think the, Oh, okay. We're friends. I'm going to kiss you and I'm going to enjoy this and you're going to enjoy this. And Oh shit. Uh, we're not going to talk about this. I'm leaving on a plane. Bye. Like I get that feeling and I get that she's torn about it. And I get that she's even beating herself up about it. Cause she's like, Oh, I wish she was like Doug. Oh wait, this is a horrible thing that I'm saying. Like I love her conflicted feelings about it. I loved everything about this and it's unfortunate that he's not going to be able to finish it. I loved that. I was, I forgot whether that was in this issue or the next one because I was reading both of them, but yeah, it's in this, one like where rain has the moment on the plane where she like wishes he was doug and then mm -hmm. is like how could i possibly think that see i thought that was like another great moment of like writing mm -hmm. and it's a horrible thing to say emotions. and it's a total thing that a 17 year old exactly 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 mm -hmm. it, it was similar to the doug reading her diary thing from the previous issue right it was like horrible thing to do totally something somebody in that situation would do yeah. or think and that's a mm -hmm. really insightful piece of writing like right there i did i did like that a lot i mean god it's just so like it's that super sex queerness thing right because like i think about it i'm still staring at the kiss page and like it's like okay she's a werewolf and he is like an alien robot dude <laughs> not an accurate description of warlock but who is embodying part of the emotion and spirit of like his gay human boyfriend and they're kissing and i'm like god there's so much going on in a moment like mm -hmm. this and i know that that queer potential is not gonna be realized but like god this is something that i really want to be on board with i mean i'm always intrigued when we have particularly male robots who have a sexuality because it's actually quite rare in media they're more often mm -hmm. desexualized and there are a variety of reasons for that i know it's something we've talked about on the pod previously and go read my essay about vision's penis if you want to talk about it more <laughs> but so <laughs> but you know but i'm always intrigued by that because it's very um i don't know there's an element of it that's interesting to me because it's like toyifying masculinity in a way that i think makes people productively uncomfortable and like <laughs> check out all the jokes about sexuality and wandavision if you want to see how uncomfortable sort of that idea makes people it always fascinates me to see that come up uh, again even though we've already had that conversation in comics for like 40 years but yeah there's so much about this that I really want to like and I do like the moments with them here and again frustrating for me being someone who's read this series before that like knows what's gonna happen next but like yeah definitely my favorite part of this particular issue Andrew do you want to weigh in on it before we before we talk about a few other things no I think I'm on the same page all I would point out is um to Mav's point 
point and Brian's before as well with the use of where girlfriend. A lot of where this scene falls flat is just it's trying to force emotions that haven't been built up yet. Mm. So Doug Locke shows up and he's had this big epiphany where he's not going to use his image inducer anymore, but he barely used it. Uh, he says yeah. that Rain taught him how to accept himself. Kind of. We got a scene about that. Calls her his girlfriend. No, not really. That wouldn't make any sense. So I, again, a lot of it is just trying to do that sitcom thing of um, forcing an emotional weight and gravity into a scene that hasn't formed organically yet. So sorry. So the image inducer, um, like that, that was not something that came up in previous issues. Like this was not conversation. A previous that... issue. A yeah. previous okay. issue. Really <laughs> briefly. He's used it once. Yeah. It's true. Okay. <laughs> Um, was I, that one time like yeah. he's he's done he's got nebulous shape-shifting abilities that allow him to appear more or less human but in terms of appearing actually really no that's not true it was alluded to them using it in those two parters like i believe written by the, the bar issue Giffen. yeah yeah and like it alludes to them using them but it wasn't drawn on panel so like technically that was like a use of it as well but yeah it hadn't been something that he'd consistently been doing yeah it's not a story. It's not a storyline with him. He's never been self-conscious about it until basically two issues ago where she told him, oh, you don't have to use it if you don't want to. And then we were all, we even talked about a show. Oh, does he care about this? I yeah. was not aware because <laughs> you know, it, because it was out of, the, so that was, a, there was a, that was the setup for this moment was when she said, Hey, you can just, you can just look like yourself. And then she immediately undermines it by turning into a, you know, white girl rather than a werewolf. <laughs> like immediately after she says it's okay. It's unfortunate. But yeah, I wish that had been more a part of it too. Cause I mean, that's interesting. And again, I'm bringing so much to it, just knowing the context of these characters and knowing what the real origin of Doug Locke is going to be revealed to be. But I mean, the fact that he thought that he had to appear human to be in a potential relationship with Rain and to look more like Doug is like, ooh, there's a lot going on there that again, please write me a fan fiction about it because it could be great. <laughs> Like especially knowing on. now like like the there's a recent krakoa era story that's not about this era it's about an earlier era of new mutants but it's about uh, it's about them like pretty much everybody on krakoa who was a former new mutant they hang out together because you know they're in in comic time right now they're in their late 20s and they you know they were they were high school friends together and they're still close but they're all busy doing their own things uh doug's got a relationship other people have other things going on and basically there's an anniversary of something that only Rain and Warlock remember. And they have a really nice little story where you see a flashback to the high school days of New Mutants and you see them all being happy and you see where Rain and Warlock position, you know, get, get their, build their relationship with, uh, you know, without Doug. And it's a, it's a really cute little story for what it is. It's just a little one shot story. And this could, you know, there could be stuff like that for this era as well. Cause that also complicates, you know, at no point do, at no point, during that, do they say, hey, remember that time when we were kind of dating back in Scotland? They don't actually address that. But but it is, you know, there is potential to explore these characters because if you do have kind of this open sexuality, everyone's a little bit bisexual relationship between Doug and Rain, the real Doug and Rain, then it is kind of interesting. What am I to my boyfriend's boyfriend? You know, there's a metamorph question, right? What is Rain to Warlock? Yeah. That I love to explore, <laughs> you know, uh -huh, like, but, uh -huh. but how do you do that? Right. No, absolutely. 
absolutely. I mean, I to give Rob some credit, I I, I do want to read the Doug Locke <laughs> monologue from After the Kiss because it did give me a sensible chuckle. <laughs> He's like walking down the pier. My olfactory receptors went wild when they registered <laughs> the scent of her hair. My tactile sensors jammed into overdrive when my oral epidermal layer met hers. I never knew this was possible, but I think I'm in love. And there's this like seagull of judgment, like watching him. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally saw, robot form. My penis is so hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he's doing. <laughs> loved it. Loved it. <laughs> Again, there's that Generation Xness coming across. I did like that a lot. I will say because I've only, I think I've only read about the first twelve issues and then some scattered issues of New Mutants. I either was unaware or totally forgot that Rain and Doug had a thing. So mm-hmm. um, it's much later. I'm definitely okay. It's much yeah, later because I, I'm working my way slowly through the series, but it's it's very slow <laughs> for me because I'm just you know doing other things. But yeah, I feel like that knowledge just adds a lot more to that scene. <laughs> well, to add something else. They have a thing that is just developing when Doug dies, and it's part of the reason he dies. He dies because he tried to be a hero and save her when he had no business being there because she's tougher than he is, and he tried to save his new girlfriend, and it got him killed. It's it's actually dark, and she's got lot and she's got lots of trauma over you know rightly so. It's like I my boyfriend died in my arms because he was trying to save me when he didn't need to is you know traumatic for her, and it should be. And then hey, here's a dude who looks just like him. Like there's a lot lot of drama to be mined there but oh well too bad (laughs) i guess i know i want it i want it to be interesting so badly and i mean i I liked it i just you know again i I think i'd like the fan fiction version of it a little bit better give me the emotions going on beyond going on behind the emotions but anyway i i don't know which other thing we want to talk about as like a major topic i feel like we're kind of bored by the new men storyline so maybe let's talk about like the pete and pete's exness of it all um yeah like i want to be interested by this as well you know shades of warren worthington (laughs) being kidnapped by callisto (laughs) and i mean i will say i was intrigued by like what is going on with ben rob and his weird feelings about modern art which come up again here (laughs) and like I couldn't get over the like he's being tortured at this like arts archive and like you know we have this whole thing about like every five years the modern art masterpieces stored within these hollowed halls are taken out and put on public display some works are bizarre others absurd but to the ever critical eyes of the avant-garde society in quotes they are all expressions of genius which begs the question what about the art of torture? I'm like, does that beg the question, Ben? <laughs> I'm not sure if it does, but I get that you're trying to do a thing. And I mean, again, potentially like the torture of Pete is being set up as a spectacle that does gendery things. But uh, I don't know. I'll come back to you about it, Brian. Like, <laughs> was anything eye-opening or interesting about this, about this Pete and, and his ex storyline we have going on here? So I, I did read the previous issue just uh, you know to prepare you sent that to me and and then there was so little of Pete in this issue that it it felt it felt quite pointless I wish you know we would have gotten more of it I also uh, I'm not super familiar with Pete Wisdom and uh, I was you know looking up timelines and I was like is, yeah I <laughs> I was like is he a is he a John Constantine ripoff and I, I could have just yes. fully felt that because of their clothing <laughs> 
Um, like they both just had like similar outfits. Um, I love but, when we have people come on the podcast yes. and they're immediately like, "Is that all he is?" And we're like, "Yes, yes." I love you. Well, okay, that. just can, can we just just for the for the listeners, we don't tell people that we don't know that they're going to say that ahead no. of time. Um, Ryan, I believe you are the sixth or seventh person who said. So what is he? Is he just a John Constantine ripoff? It comes up a lot. And yeah, oh my yeah that's what he is. He's a, yeah, it's Perfect. like, you're, the, yes. So we're not planning this. And just for the people who know, we don't like, and at some point, can you, can you compare him to Hellblazer? We don't do that. This is an organic thing that just happens every episode. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the, because that is the vibe everyone gets. That that is hilarious. Um, I I did yeah. I I feel like I have nothing about that storyline other than I mean the art conversation was interesting. I was like why I I did appreciate the Doctor Who Dalek reference on the, mm-hmm. uh, the on great. the executioner sure shirt. Great, yeah. yeah, and then in the previously in page, there's like an image of Pete Wisdom grabbing Kurt's tail, and like I think my note was kind of sexual he needs lessons on consent <laughs> mm. um, but that was, <laughs> that was canonically is an erogenous zone has been established thank you Andesenti. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i guess i i don't know how much was you know focused on this storyline before like issue 112 and i don't know where they're going <laughs> with it, but this is like the what what we got in this issue was so like basically you know just like a an interlude i don't know no yeah it hasn't this character as far as i'm aware i don't think this was from the pete and the the pride and wisdom series at all i think she's just oh i did some research oh okay Um, perfect yeah okay so here's where uh, so so, uh sorry saint hubbins first appears in excalibur number 112 i mean she doesn't she's there but like the but, but last issue when you so like you'd think that if there'd be like hey for details about sorry and pete's previous relationship see and then they would talk about it you'll note that there is no little editor's box like that because she's never been mentioned before. So she first appeared kinda last issue. So her first full real appearance is this issue. You're seeing it. She's not really, as far as I can tell, at no point does she really go by the name executioner. You'd think she would because of the way she says it, but she only has like nine appearances ever in the history of comics. And I think some of them are like basically flashbacks. She's not an important character. She's not, this is not going anywhere. So I don't want you to think that you're, you know, <laughs> where, where you're, you know, she's got six appearances, I believe, actually. Like it's mostly this storyline is the most she's going to get to do. And, and, you're supposed to feel like there's backstory that you're supposed to be intrigued by and you know you're not wrong for not feeling that <laughs> i i believe the the like meet excalibur page also said something about pete wisdom being kitty's boyfriend yes and <laughs> uh, yeah and I, I i just want so much better for kitty you know <laughs> like... okay so can, can i just interject so you know how every episode we have people come on and say Pete Wisdom is Kitty's boyfriend. And I want so much better for her. We don't plan that ahead of time. This is a natural organic reaction that Brian is having. <laughs> I'm, I'm so Wisdom. sorry that I... <laughs> No, 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 um, no. This it. is this I is good. <laughs> just, just... <laughs> because like people I... often say people also often say exactly she could do better. Yeah, that is that is Pete Wisdom's function in this book is to be bright is to be john constantine and then to as brian says here make brian go she could do better that's why he's here that, <laughs> that, 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 you have you have read the room correctly 
<laughs> I, that's so funny. Yeah, I just. I love that you I were mean, exposed to, to this fact through the recap page. That's that's. I'm so sorry, Brian. <laughs> no, no. I was just like to not have Kitty in the issue at all, and then to also have just like you know this guy who I don't know. I. <laughs> It just made me think of, you know, other other relationships I've read of kitties. And I'm just like, oh, poor kitty. Like, you know, and I, I, I'm not caught up on the new stuff. So I know, you know, I know that she had that kiss with the random woman. But I was like, did it did it go any further? Like, does she have, like, better relationships now? I have no idea. Nope. But, nope. Yeah. That one kiss, <laughs> never followed up on. You will be disappointed. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. That's what I thought. But uh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I saw some great, uh, the same artist that did the scene from uh, Marauders where Ileana greets Kitty where she comes back from the dead, did a, a kissy version of it as a, you know, <laughs> unofficial variant, which is very nice. <laughs> so I think that's the the best that we've gotten is uh, unofficial, technically fan arts. But <laughs> yeah, this I'm going to have, I'm going to have more to say about this storyline in the next issue because we get more of the backstory filled in. But like, yeah. Yeah, again, this was something that I wanted to do something with it, you know, the aspect of sort of peeping humiliated and turned into a spectacle. Again, shades of the Warren Worthington thing in which there was a lot of interesting gendery stuff going on. But this is a little bit different because Pete's a different type of character and just the way that this is going to be handled is going to be a little bit different. Honestly, my main takeaway from this whole Pete plot was just that Black Air remains the absolute best spy agency. And I know this because <laughs> Sorry has a tattoo of the spy agency on her midriff which is the <laughs> stupidest most wonderful choice that you could have made here for it i mean that's like a choice that crosses over like it's so absurd that it crosses over into being awesome so i'm gonna let rob have that one great choice or the artist or whoever made that choice loved it andrew did you want to weigh in on pete pete v sorry before we moved to some final thoughts just maybe related to what we've already talked about again um if you have a writer who really doesn't like a character and <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced ben rob hates pete more than i do mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. maybe don't isolate that character in their own story yeah, line, right uh -huh. it, it, like, like it's that whole thing as an instructor you always say to your students if you're bored with your essay i guarantee you i'll be bored with your essay when i have to read it <laughs> And I'm kind of feeling that in this scene, like like there's there's just not enough of um, a personality um, taking shape through the the plot dynamic here. So so I, I just feel like it was maybe a mistake to isolate wisdom, maybe explore wisdom in concert with Kitty or Kurt as they were trying to do. Kurt was um, there. Yeah. They just wrote him out just so he could yeah, have. They this took moment. him out, which it's is odd. Kurt was there well, last issue, and I, I was grateful he was there. I thought that was a, a good thing to explore. Try to build Pete up through his relationship with other characters, especially when he's kind of I don't know the one of these things is not like the other uh, character in Excalibur, right? Develop mm -hmm. those relationships, make him fit, uh, and then again we're trying to cultivate him as this solo spy character in a book that isn't about those things, um, and it's it just it, it's deflating when I see him alone in a scene. I, I'm just like why why are we doing this and you know as brian kind of alluded to i mean with kitty and pete being together to have this be about this previous relationship of pete's that reveals these dark truths about him and yet she's not evolved in this storyline and will never and will never learn about it like god that's a choice that you made like it's like boy yeah. you could have had so much more drama and you're like nah i'm, I'm okay with less <laughs> drama in this like melodramatic superhero book it's like what are you doing man mind that shit come on <laughs> it was right there <laughs> 
But anyway, anyway, anyway. Did more research, and I've just learned that the that of the so of the nine appearances of Sorry Satan Puppins, six of them are reprints of these three issues. So, oh um, my god, it's it's literally just the storyline. <laughs> I just went through and found them all. Yeah, they're, 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 I, I I checked earlier to see that there were nine, and like no, no, it's just this story. Yeah, she doesn't come back. That makes sense. Uh, let's go to some final thoughts. I'm sure we've each got something that we would like to circle back to. There was like kind of a lot of stuff in this issue. I just wasn't sure how to organize our conversation. So we'll see what we can do to wrap it up in final thoughts. I'll come to you first, Mav. Uh, anything you want to circle back to? Two things. One brief, because you just the new the new men of it all. I don't understand. We talked about you know the, the fact that this was taken from him. I'm pretty sure he wanted to do something more interesting, and it was taken from him because there's build up here of where like they, they they sort of give you this time to surprise you when they show the high evolutionary and you're like oh my god it's the high evolutionary i'm so surprised no i'm not because i've seen bova i've seen animan like the yeah, like you know I, I, it says wondergore nobody reading comics knows what wondergore is you've taken you've you've made the time to like tell us we're in wendigore nobody knows what wendigore is and doesn't know what the high evolutionary is so yeah. what are you hey, doing the guy who lives here happens to be home what a surprise <laughs> yeah right it's a, it's like a it's like either either that reveal falls completely flat because it's my first experience with this character which is you know fine but like if it's your first experience but then it's bad writing because you haven't given me an explanation of what a high evolutionary was or i've read better stories with this character so you holding off has done nothing because it was obvious that's what you were going to run into because that's the guy that lives there so that irritated me the other the final thought that that i was holding on to is because i was hoping we were going to talk about a little more about the anime but i have nothing more to say so it's fine if i have a pet and i ask you to watch him <laughs> and like you lose my pet and then don't notice for conservatively two weeks because you know i was trapped in inexplicably cra- trapped in hong kong for a week so you don't notice and then you're like ah it'd probably be fine what the hell's wrong with you like you're, you're not good friends <laughs> Well, like, 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 like Moira is. I mean, I got. I get that Moira's got things going on. She's sick. She's she's got issues. But like the fact that they're like, oh, we haven't seen your. Now there's questions, and I I know Andrew has feelings about like sentient Lockheed stories. So yeah, the fact that he can talk here and everything. I don't even want to get into that. Just. They don't know he can talk, so they just think that, like, I left my dog with you and you didn't feed him for the last two weeks. What the hell's wrong with you? Probably (laughs) fine. I mean... (laughs) He's probably okay. I don't know. Like, water food what what are you doing he, you know, I, i've asked you to watch my dog what are you or my dragon in this case so like i it's just that the logic of everything timing wise like the fact that they they don't know that colossus and megan have been in a plane crash because kitty and rain have had time to get home and and then go do other stuff rain's on her way back to america and you know meanwhile colossus and megan are just sort of missing and nobody thinks twice about it so the timing of everything about this like these people don't like each other the the, the current excalibur yeah. they don't like each other they don't like their pets and uh, it's just it's it's infuriating <laughs> to me also Lockheed can talk <laughs> yeah yeah i wasn't gonna focus on that because that's gonna get goofier before it makes more sense but uh mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that you're 
dramatic reveal of like, also, he's got Luna. And it's just like, if you're like a reader of Excalibur, why on earth would you care about like the dramatic reveal of <laughs> Luna? It's like, I mean, I don't remember what place Luna was in at this point in the continuity. I know who the character is, but like, right. that's asking a lot. <laughs> I didn't remember that Crystal was dead at this point. <laughs> no, I don't remember <laughs> like, that from this era. I'm like, oh, was she? I remember they were separated, but was she dead? Okay. And then I just, I read that and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like looking it up. I know she'll get nope. better. <laughs> That's where I was. I will say um, that Luna reveal, it unlocked a memory for me of like just the Quicksilver comic. And, and then like later on that page or the next page, like they are selling Quicksilver one. But like, that was like, that was an early comic that I collected because the, so, I mean, I had started, you know, reading comics uh maybe like around like more seriously around like 1999 or 2000 but like that was one of the comics series that the like my local comic shop had all of the issues for and so i bought them and i like i remember the characters of like uh the new men and stuff but i remembered nothing of that quicksilver comic at all <laughs> and uh i just remember that it existed and he had a daughter and i was like oh yeah i i read that i think but i know like around the same time or i think a little later was also the um oh what was it called the the mutant x comic like with havoc in like a different timeline yeah. and mm-hmm. um i think that kind one of like kind that. of over- <laughs> yeah I, I i think that one kind of overshadowed the the quicksilver comic for me because it was uh, like i don't know it was kind of fun i'm just saying but um <laughs> yeah i <laughs> i um you mentioned Moira's illness and i like <laughs> it took me a minute because i i forgot that she had the legacy virus and I was like oh wait yeah this this would be that time period and I know we talked about it the last time I was on too and I was like but she seems like fine I know. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> that, yeah, that killed I, me here. It was another one of the many things where she's like, she's on the deck, like or on the dock, saying goodbye to Rain, and it's like she seems fine. And then she's like, "Boy, I hope I survive through the weekend." And I was like, "Whoa, are you that sick? <laughs> like, oh my god, yeah, I had no and, idea." <laughs> and doing it, because um, I think is that the part when uh, the the panel itself is like a shadow panel where it's like her, just like it's all black and white when she. Mm-hmm. There was one page where the the last panel was Moira, like, in shadow, and she's mm-hmm, thinking something dramatic. Yeah, and I was just like, you know, they, they were really just emphasizing, like, the keeping keeping the illness off the page and, like, not showing... Yeah anything of what she was going through oh god yeah i i kind of spaced on that being like one of your central areas and now i'm kind of wishing that you were coming back to talk 115 when we're gonna get way more stuff on on the legacy virus because yeah it's been super weird how it's just been completely off panel like we just keep being told that she has it and yet she's not had any symptoms or anything on panel that i can identify and then hear her being like i'm so sick i'm not sure i'm gonna make it through the weekend and you're like oh i mean if you're hiding it like this that could be interesting but there's not even been an indication that that's what's going on it's just a plot device it's disappointing i'm glad that you mentioned it and that's so funny that you remember the quicksilver series since i clowned on it earlier i am very happy that it survived in in the public imaginary brian and that you're that you're (laughs) carrying the flame for it nothing could make me happier i mean really like my memory of it is quicksilver with a bunch of like i guess did you call them the animen or the new men the new men so the and they're actually 
so in that series, as I recall, and again, I also have not looked at this in 20 something years. I believe the, ver so all of the High Lip Evolutionary's creations are jointly new men. Some of them are Anna men. I believe the ones in that series are the Knights of Wendigore, who is what I think these characters here are supposed to be, because the Knights are the ones that use the Sir, whatever, Lady, whatever. So they're the Knights of Wendigore, I believe. Nice. But again, I just couldn't be bothered to look it up. Instead, I was looking up Harry's uh, <laughs> <Yeah. Stan> ovens. <laughs> uh, Andrew, we didn't give you a chance to do any final thoughts, so it's coming back to you, and then I'll give Brian the final word. Yeah, I just wanted to flag there's a there's a trope um, in this. I, I'm always going to defend Megan. Um, there's a trope in this issue that happens a lot in superhero comics where they do like an, an overt example of sexual harassment uh, and the female character responds in a sort of faux empowered way where they get a little hysterical um, and they aggressively lash out at the person but it's immediately played for comedy uh, and it's like a ha 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 you shouldn't have done that thing and I, I think that really undermines the severity uh, of that kind of thing in a way that I, I, I don't like um, and I don't think we've seen that really before with Megan or even in an Excalibur comic um, so I just found it just taste. Uh, and that's just reading something in a 2023 lens potentially I, I don't know how readers would have felt in the late 90s but i was just like another uh another trope that you're putting on megan instead of developing that character and that bothered me a little bit that is entirely fair andrew um i will briefly mention something we were talking about before the pod which is that the inside of the gatefold cover is the most 1997 advertisement of all time advertising the shows saved by the bell the new class hang time and city guys and nba inside stuff and the ad features a cartoon yeah. drawing of Screech as the NBC superhero. Uh, just a lot going on there to precisely locate you in this moment from 1997. Um, anyway, we'll come back to you, Brian. Any thoughts about this issue to be the capstone on our conversation or anything that you would like more of a chance to talk about that we didn't talk about enough? Well, the the, the moment that was just brought up about uh, Megan and suddenly she was, you know, perfectly fine and responding in, to that kind of harassment, I also... You you know, picked up on it and was thinking of just the, you know, we're in 1997. It's the height of like Spice Girls and girl power. And there's very much this, you know, kind of mainstream understanding of feminism that isn't quite feminism. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, that's what that moment felt like to me where it was like, a, oh, we're going to throw in a moment of girl power here. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, I didn't love it. It also just didn't make sense considering, you know, she spent the last issue, issue just like unconscious the whole time. And then you know, almost froze to death. And but I, yeah, I, I still am curious to read Excalibur, like from start to finish. And it is something that I would like to do one day. Um, <laughs> but I don't know when that day will be. But hopefully it happens. <laughs> As we always say, go back to the beginning and uh, I think you'll have uh, a slightly better result. <laughs> but if we're the gateway to that, we can we can only pat ourselves on the back as we do all the time on this podcast. What must I do now? Kill them? I can tell you nothing. My days are ending. The gods of once are gone forever. It's a time for men. It's your time. I need you now, more than ever. No. This is the moment that you must face at last, to be king alone. And you, old friend? Will I see you again? No. <laughs> there are other worlds. This one is done with me. 
right. We will wrap things up there other than to say, Brian, thank you so, so, so much for, for making time to have your epic return to the podcast. You'll notice I didn't make a single Bova slash Bove pun, um, although I believe you even encouraged me to do so. <laughs> I couldn't resist that. <laughs> I fully, I fully did. I was like, please have me back for this uh, <laughs> episode. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. So, I mean, my whole life, people have been like, oh, your last name means cow. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. And I did get a chance to go to Rome once and saw like my name on like the uh, Apian Way or whatever. And I was like, oh, look, like it's there. And like, of course, like it was near um, this <laughs> location that had this like, you know, ox statue. Um, but yeah, I was I was really hopeful to be asked to be on this episode. And I, I'm very appreciative that you did ask me to be on this episode. And I was wishing that there was more Bova. Um, but, you know, again, like she was just kind of like, oh, I'm here to, you know, take you to Wondergore and you're fine, apparently. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she must be fun to draw. I envy artists drawing her great character visually. <laughs> True. So if people want to find you, uh, Brian, and want to see some of your awesome work, yeah, like uh, hype your socials if you want to hype them or any past, present, future projects that people should be looking out for. Yeah, so I am NerdBove, N-E-R-D-B-O-V-E on um, Instagram, Blue Sky, um, Threads. Uh, I have a Tumblr. I don't really use it a lot, but I'm on there too. Um, I deleted my Twitter because I, I just couldn't anymore. Um, but I also have a website. It's just www.nerdbove.com and you can see some examples of my old work and some upcoming work there too. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll link all that stuff in the show notes. And yeah, just thanks so much again, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Next, things get hotter and wetter between Pete and his old friend in Excalibur number 114. For the one I love. And no, I will not be apologizing for that phrasing at this time. In the meantime, if you liked what you heard, please follow us, like, and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it or watching it. Don't forget to check out our fabulous YouTube videos, which we've done for many of our earlier episodes, plus our holiday specials. You can find those via our website or the Box Pop YouTube channel. As always, if you want to chat with us about Excalibur, let us know. You can reach out via our website, goshgollywow.com. We've got some fun extras and via Twitter slash X at goshgollywow, as well as Blue Sky, same handle, where we post daily pages from whatever issue we're reading that week and more fun extras. Thank you, Mav and Andrew, for faithfully following our mutants in their folly. Thank you, Brian, for wondering about Wondergore with us. Thank you all for listening, and a special thanks to Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our truly epic theme song. Play us out. Somehow, many guys in King Time left for five and six years. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> How was that possible? <laughs> I questioned the veracity of that fact. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>